Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The Volume. What is going on? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast. Happy Tuesday. What's well, a podcast? So you really could be listening to this on any day. I'm recording this a little bit after the breaking news, which I'm glad it broke before I recorded. Peacock and the NFL will have a playoff game, the Saturday night wildcard weekend, exclusively on Peacock. Streaming only. So we will dive into that. Some other, I, I dove uh, into more depth about some of the details of the schedule. Double headers on Monday night. Don't love Thursday night schedule. Uh, the Jags, the back-to-back games in London. Is that inevitable? I mean, is that where the NFL is going to send the Jags? They can say they're not going there all they want. Sure feels not just very likely, but inevitable. Uh, so a lot of football talk. Here's the plan. This podcast, we will have a uh, PGA Championship preview on Wednesday. And then, surely, probably more football talk later in the week. Uh, Middlecoff Mailbag at the end of this show. At John Middlecoff is my Instagram. Fire in those DMs. If you could, you know, if you if you feel like it, leave a review on the 3 and Out podcast feed. Make sure you subscribe to that feed. Appreciate everyone that's been listening. Uh, check out the volume.com, the merch. Got some uh, Go Low hats. They look good. Golf, second major of the year, baby. Let's buckle up. And any other housekeeping? I don't know. We're live on AMP. Download that AMP app every day of the week. Uh, watch all of our content on YouTube. I'm a good company guy, aren't I? Uh, what else? Yeah, I think that's it. Again, Middlecoff Mailbag, fire in those DMs. Got a lot of questions to ask at the end of the show. Uh, a lot of football talk. Let's have a week. Do you want to go to a game? Do you want to go to a concert? Do you want to do something this summer? Get out of the house. Enjoy yourself. Get some sun. Go to a baseball game. Hell, they're only two and a half hours now. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone. Go to the App Store and download the Game Time app. Download Game Time. They just happen to be the official ticketing app of this podcast. Type in the promo code JOHN, J-O-H-N, and get $20 off any pair of tickets. Concerts, comedy shows, basketball games, hockey games, football games this fall. You want to go to, I was just meeting with someone in a different business. And he's like, you know, I'm from Madison, Wisconsin. I'm like, Badger fan. He said, die hard. Well, you want to go to a game this fall? Your family still lives there. They want to go. I got you covered. Get you a little discount. Download game time right now. Promo code (laughs) J-O-H-N. Well, 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 we had some breaking news today. And, you know, I would say it was a curveball. It is the first NFL playoff game 
that is going to be streaming only on Peacock. And NBC's been doing this for a while, right? They put different content that they own. I, I, I'm a golf guy, obviously. So in the past couple of years, they own a piece of major golf tournaments, like the players that uh, they've owned major championships as well before. I don't think they do currently. And they would put parts of it strictly on the streaming service. Now, this is a little unique because it's the only where to find the Saturday night wild card game is going to be on Peacock. And we talked about it a lot last year with Amazon, that this is where it's all headed. Now, a little bit, I was thinking of like an analogy for this. It's probably like swimming, right? When you're, if if you're listening to this and you're a parent and you got a young kid, three, four years old, they start taking swimming lessons. They're being held. They got floaties. You know, by the time they get eight, nine, 10, they're, they're doing flips, diving into the deep end, and you don't even think twice about it. It feels like that is what the NFL is doing with these streaming platforms, right? Over the last couple of years, they started dabbing their feet, dipping their toe in. Now they're full on in the pool. And within the next five, seven years, they'll be in the deep end, you know, doing flying squirrels off the rock and not even hesitating. It's inevitable where we're headed. Now, I understand a lot of people have pushed back about internet streaming services, Wherever you may live, I can only relate to the office I'm sitting here right now. I've had YouTube TV and have had no issues. Now, I pay whatever the max amount of money for the highest speed internet. And wherever I go, house, office, I will continue to do that. So I understand financially, maybe some people you know, can't afford to do that. Uh, but where we're headed now with the way television works... I, I think in a very, very short period of time, you won't really think about it. And the ability will only increase to get higher speed internet. Now, when I was a kid, we could not get cable TV where my parents lived. The only way, and we got it, I think when I was like probably eighth or ninth grade, not cable TV, we had to buy the dish. We could have dish or direct TV, but the, the, my friends that lived in other places, like down the street, they had access to cable. I did not. So there are always road bumps and things you have to circumvent through just eventual progression of a business, which streaming clearly, I think it feels like we're much farther into it than we are. But this is like the NFL now is full steam ahead. Within a couple of years to me, they will have a package on one of these streaming services. I mean, they already do with Amazon, but when it comes to the playoffs, clearly Amazon inevitable they're getting a playoff game so peacock amazon um there's just no slowing it down there's really not if you told me one day hbo max or showtime and i know some of these companies are either intertwined or owned by the same you know main uh conglomerate so i I might be you know cross-pollinating here but like honestly it's not that shocking (laughs) it's really not now i understand some of you don't have peacock we'll have to get peacock I have it because in my condo, I have Comcast, which obviously is in bed with Peacock, so it comes free, uh, and I'm still able to stream it. But who knows how long that lasts? If I get rid of that thing, you know, I'll get it. <laughs> you know, because I'm not going to miss a playoff game, and neither are you. And I know there are some hurdles when it comes to bars and restaurants. Uh, I think that's a major question with uh, YouTube TV, which was easier for them with uh, Direct TV, but. This is where we're at, man. 
And there's just no slowing it down. And the NFL, and all these leagues, really, but I think the NFL has done a really good job of just slowly kept integrating it, kept integrating it, kept integrating it. Not like there was just the snap of a fingers, we're only streaming, right? And I've said this forever, a, a big part of it is the, the older owners you know, that are in their 70s, there's a loyalty to that generation that their, their kids just won't, will not have. There's a, there's a loyalty to my generation that my parents were just on opposite ends of the spectrum. And as those guys pass away, you know, the, the, their loyalty to Fox and CBS will just change. Why? Because Amazon, because these other companies, if Netflix wants in, have so much capital and they have so much money. And clearly the TV deals and Fox and CBS, you know, have been incredible partners and have made everyone a lot of money, but that's where their bread's buttered. This is a league that is about television and eyeballs. Listen, I've been to several NFL games over the years, a ton actually. Uh, I'm sure many people listening have as well. That That is not how they make their money anymore. That's how they make their extra cash, how they pay for their country clubs and their yachts, how they pay for the operation, the players, the the entire league is the games on television and forever. It was basic cable or really just, you know, the basic channels and that they've evolved, evolved, evolved. ESPN got involved with Monday night football. And now we're at the point where Amazon and Peacock and it's clear where we're headed. And it's just, it's just the natural progression of the times we live in. I mean, think about Amazon, Right, their schedule. I, I looked at it before uh, this morning when I was getting the podcast ready. I was like, "Yeah, it's a lot better." I mean, it, it really is. They, they cut out. You don't see the Houston Texans. You don't see the Arizona Cardinals. You don't see the Atlanta Falcons. You aren't guaranteed a Thursday night game, which I understand if I'm the NFL. Like, ultimately, I get it. I'm just against teams having to have multiple Thursday night games, but they want to have a full slate of games. It's kind of what you got to do, you know, and I'm not changing my tune thinking that, um, you know, th- they should like two games make sense with the right brands. The Steelers play on Thursday night multiple times, right? I mean, it's, it's not by accident, right? They're a massive brand. Aaron Rodgers. And I saw Al Michaels. He's clearly really excited. And one problem last year for Amazon, which like anytime something is new and the streaming services a lot of older people that had to get Amazon Prime. You have to slowly acclimate. But the product wasn't great. I love Al. I mean, I, I think by far he's the greatest play-by-play guy of my lifetime when it comes to football. You know, as he mailed it in, maybe. Clearly, he's a bright lights guy. And he had been... Now, he chose this, right? He clearly, I, I would imagine, got a massive raise going from NBC where he was making a lot to go to Amazon. And it felt like he kind of mailed it in. And it felt like Amazon kind of mailed it in. And it feels like I'm talking shit about Herb Street. I'm really not. But he's just, it's a tough job. It's They they should have just hired an NFL person. And the chemistry with Al and and Herbie just wasn't quite there. And it just, it was a bad watch relative to a primetime game. Like, you got to NBC, Tariko Collinsworth. You got to Monday night, you got Troy and Joe. Like, it just kind of felt big. Hell, even Burkhart easily transitioned. And he's been doing big games for a while. And Greg Olson was good. Now, we can say whatever we want about Romo if you want to nitpick him, but like Jim Jim Nance and Tony Romo feel big. The Thursday night game, besides just Al Michaels, the name, when you started watching the broadcast, it was pretty bad. And maybe the better games, the better teams, not all these games are perfect. Like you look at the slate there, I think there's a Panthers-Bear game. You know, is, is Al going to be super dialed for Panthers-Bears? 
you know, we'll see. <laughs> Hopefully, it's early in the season. But, um, you know, th- these these streaming services, man, there's just, it's here. It really is. And I think it's inevitable where we're headed. Uh, one last thing on the schedule. I didn't realize this and I haven't talked about it yet, but I was reading a couple articles just on big picture, you know, kind of angles on the schedule. This happened last year once, and it happened in years past, right? With uh, the COVID year when games got delayed and you had multiple games on Monday night. I think there are four weeks this year where there are multiple Monday night games. There's a Monday night doubleheader. Now, I'm biased because I usually, on a Monday night, a Thursday night, or a Sunday night, I watch the game, and it usually leads whatever the podcast is the following day with a reaction. I also think, like as a, as a consumer, and I, and I try to speak for the consumer, is Saturday, Sunday, we're, we're totally on board with ton of games all day long. You watch your squad, you keep tabs on everyone else. But I think we're pretty conditioned now on Thursday night, Sunday night, and Monday night, we kind of get a one-off. And obviously the NFL knows how to make money, knows how to keep their partners happy. I I, I do think the doubleheader Monday night is a tad bit, it's overkill. I I don't think it's necessary. I don't know who it's serving. I don't don't see why it has to happen. I, I don't... Part of playing on Monday night football... A lot like Thursday night football, but definitely Monday night football. It's you're the only game in town. It's all about you. Even in college, right? If you play the big ABC game or you play the big CBS game or whatever game you're playing sometime on Saturday, even if you got the number one crew on whatever network, there's still other games constantly going off, right? In the NFL, you play at 10 a.m. I'm speaking West Coast times or one, you know, 1 p.m. There are other games going on. Now, depending on the week, the, the amount differs. But if you play on Sunday night or Monday night football, it's only you. So I'd argue it diminishes. I I think it diminishes the product a little bit. Why do you want two games going simultaneously on Monday night? Saturday night, nothing's going on. Or excuse me, Sunday. So it's like if you got multiple TVs, you got an iPad, whatever. No one's working. I don't care what, for the most part, what job you do, even if you're a grinder's grinder, you know, Sunday, at least half the day, you're kind of chilling, especially in the fall. Where Monday, people work, people go to jobs, people go to school, you get home, you eat dinner. You know, it's it's kind of a very regimented day for the overwhelming, you know, percentage of people in society. So to change like this, like, I don't, I just don't get it. You know, to ha- and they're staggered too. It's not like one game ends and the other one starts. They, they there's crossover. I, I just can't. Even if I remove my bias because it makes it more difficult for me to kind of keep track of both games. Kind, I mean, I got two TVs, but still, I, I really just Monday. I've been watching football for four days. I think I speak for a lot of people. Just give me the one fucking game. I, I don't need to try to be following. You know, one game's in the fourth quarter. The other game's kicking off. I, I I just don't quite get it. I, I I really don't. I think sometimes the NFL, props to them, they're very aggressive, as you see with the streaming stuff, as you see with what they've done with Thursday Night Football, uh, going to London, all the stuff. I mean, they, they deserve, they've lapped the other sports. They've had some built-in advantages, but they've doubled down on their advantages, and they've never looked back. And, and it's, the gap is going to only continue to widen in the foreseeable future. I've said forever, 
like I, when I was born, baseball was king in like the eighties. And I saw Michael Jordan and, you know, take over the NBA and then be every bit as big as any sport. Now football for the last 20 years is separated from the pack, but it won't last forever. But it does feel like some of this stuff is a balance, right? To being aggressive and being forward thinking and trying to continue. Because in business, you're either growing or you're dying. And that's just the way people think about it. Yeah, it's like we can argue all you want. Like they're big enough. Just sustain this. That's not the way it works. But this this feels like a little bit overkill. Before we dive into what's next, do you know that Angie's list is now Angie, your home for everything home? And as someone who is currently house shopping, and who has bought property before you walk in, you go, well, I need to fix the kitchen. I need to want to improve this bathroom. I want to fix some stuff in the backyard. And then you go, well, I don't do this for a living. Where do I even start? Who do I even contact? That's where Angie has 20 years of experience combined with new tools to simplify the process. Over 220,000 pros in their network. They can help you get the best price for your product. They have new projects that are priced upfront and clearly lays out the cost before you buy. With Angie, you can request quotes from multiple pros in your area. The pros in your network are locally based. In just a few taps in the Angie app or click on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project from start to finish. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Another, I don't think I really talked about the Jags who have back-to-back games in London. And I've been asked this before on the mailbag. And a lot of people wonder, do you think it's inevitable, you know, expansion in other countries? I've heard people that cover the league uh, say that one of Roger Goodell's greatest regrets is being a part of a team that went to Jacksonville. He wasn't the commissioner at the time, but I think he played a large, large role in that. And other people in the NFL clearly regret that. Tiny market, doesn't make much sense. Already got multiple teams in Florida. I don't exactly know the other market you would have gone to instead. I mean, there are other options. But if you'd have a do-over on Jacksonville, you wouldn't put a team in Jacksonville. Right, I'm seeing all these teams leave Oakland. But if you had a do-over, there wouldn't be a team starting baseball, basketball, or football that would go to Oakland. Just the reality of society in you know the 21st century. So Jacksonville is clearly sniffed around. They can say whatever they want, and clearly there's some leverage in regards to trying to get a new stadium built. 
Part of it is they've been dipping their toe. They've been dipping their toe. Now this is like the next step. Do back-to-back games, see how it goes, see the logistics. There are always going to be some logistical hurdles, right? If during training camp, you need to bring players. What about guys in the Midwest, on the West Coast, long flights? Uh, now, if you're coming from the East Coast, I'm, I'm, I've never been to, to London, but you know everyone says it's a five, five and a half hour flight. So what the hell is the difference from Seattle? If I'm you know, Pete Carroll and John Schneider, and I want to sign a couple guys for training camp, and they're both in, you know, Jacksonville, Florida. I mean, it's a long flight. So I, I think you can justify it. Clearly, from a size perspective, it makes a lot of sense. Pretty sure, pretty big area over there <laughs> relative to Jacksonville. Uh, the other thing is, you know, part of the back-to-back games, they're not going to be at the same stadium. You know, one's at Wembley and one's at, I, I think, Tottenham Stadium. On the, on the opposite sides. So, you know, you continue to build a fan base. Well, the bigger, you know, the faster you expand your league and your sport to people that, you know, may not have that much exposure, you know, they eventually like it. And then they eventually start playing it. Think about what happened in 92 with the Dream Team. Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley. I mean, it's one of the most famous teams of all time. Not just because they beat everyone by 75 points, but because of what it did to the game globally. Now, basketball is a lot easier to operate than football, right? Fields, uh, pads, coaching, they, they don't, they're not apples to apples. But there is an area that is massive that easily could have some people and start playing football in London and just different parts of Europe that might make some sense. And the NFL, once upon a time, I was young, had NFL Europa, um, so I, I, I think if I was a betting man, I, I would say probably 51 49 that a team ends up there. And I think the team's pretty clear. Like it's, it's not going to be, you know, the Chicago bears moving to London, the new England Patriots packing up shop. It's the Jacksonville Jacks. And I know people have talked about expansion. I don't know, man. I, I have a hard time. I get, you could sell two expansion teams or let's just pick a number 7 billion. So fourteen billion, split them up between the owners at whatever that I'm no math major, but four hundred million an owner. But then you also have to split the TV revenue, which there is a short term windfall if you expand, but there's also a big picture deficiency of money that you would be getting that you have to split instead of one thirty seconds, you're splitting one thirty fourth. So that adds up over a period of time. You also compete television-wise in terms of the rankings of where your game gets put up. Like if I owned an NFL team, I would much rather move a squad than deal with adding a couple squads. Um, especially, especially now, all these teams have so much cash. So I, I, I that's again no inside information. Uh, feels much more likely that the Jags they leave Jacksonville and go to London than a team expand. The, the league expands and puts a team there. You know, the Sixers had a pretty devastating loss. And, you know, you see people on Twitter talking a lot of shit about the process. And really, the, all the process was it's like a uh, cool way to package, we're just going to suck as badly as possible for several years and try to draft really high. And it works. Like, it's, it's not that complicated to just throw a season and try to lose games in basketball. It's much more difficult in the NFL. But if you have a terrible season in any sport, you still need to pick the right player. Like I saw this this tweet thread of all the players, obviously beside Embiid, they missed 
on a ton of players in the process. Now, part of it was they changed over Hinky to another guy, and, and Hinky became like this cult hero. But Google Hinky's draft track record. Fucking dude missed on a lot of sweet players for guys who sucked. Now, he'd tell you, well, it's just a percentage game, blah, 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 blah. Regardless, you were whiffing a lot. And part of sucking and getting a high pick, whether you have the first pick or the second or third pick, is then you have to pick the right player. So in the NFL, think about this, for example, the Texans. They have bottomed out the last couple of years. Because I saw Mike Lombardi, he's a big Sixers fan, just talk about how terrible the Sixers culture is. And I would agree. When you just lose forever, there, there's not like a, a base of winning. There's not a base of with the players, with the organization, the standard. Like this is unacceptable. This is not okay. Because all these players saw, at least a lot of them did, it was okay. Especially their best player. Right, the standard actually was pretty low, so they don't really know a high standard. Like the Miami Heat are a good example. They're an eight seed. They're in the conference finals. How high do you think the standards are with the Miami Heat? Think about over the years how many times Tom Izzo's Michigan State team was not the number one overall seed, or you know, one or two seed. They were four. They were five. They were six. They were three. Whatever. And you look up in the Elite Eight, and they'd have the lead headed to the Final Four. It happened all the time. Because the standard is so high. And I think in football, you know, you think about the best cultures in the league. To me, Kansas City clearly is number one. They're going on a decade now of winning, right? The, the, we don't need, the Patriots culture might have been the combination of the two of them. Once you split it up, it ain't the same. But Andy was winning with Alex Smith every single year, winning, going to the playoffs. Got rid of him. They took the next step. Now they're going to Super Bowls and winning them, right? I would put several other teams in the mix of, really high-level culture, Eagles, Niners, Bengals, and a lot of it is player-driven, right? Player-driven. Football's, you know, the coaches have high standards. But in 2023, the days of like Bear Bryant, this is not college football, and Bill Parcells, MF and you 24-7, 365, kind of over. They're just, we saw Urban Meyer came in and within like three months, they're like, this is, (laughs) this ain't going to work. Right, because a lot of it's on the guys. So think about Kansas City. Where does the standard start? Patrick Mahomes with Travis Kelsey, with Chris Jones for a while with the Honey Badger. With you know, the standard is really, really high. I listen. Tyreek Hill had some questions over the years off the field, but you talk to anyone, his practice habits pretty high. I, I've been around the 49ers for years. Other guys are so high level. I mean, they, they, it ain't a fuck around sesh at practice. Think about the Eagles. Lane Johnson was like a Hall of Fame player last year. Did everything humanly possible to duct take his body to keep playing in the playoffs. Super rich, already won a Super Bowl. There's no, you had to drag that guy off the field. Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. Cultures are set as much as we want to think by the coaches. I think in 2023, and you could argue it's always been a little bit like this, but with the amount of money role players get, let alone the stars, it's got to be very, very player-driven. Uh, it, it really does. And I, I think football really benefits from not having to worry about... You're going to have terrible teams. But the Texans kind of... I mean, Lovey Smith won a game. With the, no one's not trying to win. You might just suck. Right? The Bears The Bears tried to win games last year. They just couldn't. They, they did not. The Rams... You think Sean McVay ever tried to lose any of these games? Hell, by the end of the season, Baker Mayfield, and they're beating the Raiders on Thursday Night Football. You know, because it, it drives these guys nuts. But 
it's just it to me it's a fascinating kind of dichotomy between the two operations because let's face it tanking in basketball which makes sense right because one player can you get the right guy a Tim Duncan a Steph Curry a Kobe a LeBron your franchise has changed with football it's really only the quarterback right and how many of those quarterbacks have we seen over the last decade right At, with the number 1 overall pick Joe Burrow Andrew Luck I think Trevor Lawrence I'd bet on him but he's let's see a little more work right cuz you think about Patrick Mahomes like he wasn't his number 1 pick <laughs> you know this year, it's going to be very, very fascinating, right? If you suck in the middle of November and you have two or three wins and you're in the mix for the number one pick, there is no argument that losing is the right thing. It's just hard to execute that. It really is because no player on your team is going to tap out. And coaches, even if you're like, well, this guy's probably going to get fired, you think he's going to be be the guy that like keeps losing games and just gets a thumbs up on the when you tell him to clean out his office at the end of the season. Uh, but the Caleb Williams thing is going to be fascinating. That's going to be a little side project we're going to talk about all year long as the season goes. A couple other quick things. Matt Ryan, he's unofficially retired. I, Florio wrote, the only reason there's no point for him to say I'm done, because listen, he's not getting another job. No one's bringing him in. His career is over. That if he were to quote-unquote officially retire... The $12 million that the Indianapolis Colts owe him would not come his way. So it behooves him to say, listen, I'm, I'm going to work for CBS. I'm going to do some studio stuff, call some games, but I'm not officially retiring. We all know Matt Ryan is never playing in the NFL again. To me, the only way that would be humanly possible is a team has a bunch of injuries. They stink and they're desperate and they just need a guy to play. And even then, if you're Matt Ryan, I don't know if it would make much sense for him to do that. Here's the thing that I, and I try to be, I view uh, ex-players going in to call games as like GMs view draft prospects. And I'm pretty good. I told you Drew Brees was going to stink. Uh, Tom Brady, I'm, I'm, I'm very on the fence about. Uh, I think with Matt Ryan, and I, I've watched a lot of his press conference over the years, heard, heard him interviewed. People I know that know him, love him. You know, I think he's a legit guy's guy. I think there are kind of two versions of this. I think Brady's the best version, but Matt falls under his category. It's like, they can just be a dude. They can be very relatable despite being worth hundreds of millions of dollars and been super rich now for almost two decades. But when they're just talking to someone, they have a skill to relate. But then they also can go into this mode of when quarterbacks give a press conference, they kind of can turn into a coach. They're not that candid. They're very careful about what they say. And let's face it, it's kind of bland and boring. And part of being good on television and calling games is to kind of let your personality come out. And here's the other thing. I don't expect players who just finished playing to crush players. I don't. Beside the obvious, right? A bad drop, a missed assignment. But like, just to be like, this guy stinks. Like, that's kind of my job. <laughs> that's the fans' job. I, I understand players, especially their friends, or this guy is over the hill. This guy is shot. But that's how we talk about these guys. Because that's honestly how the coaches and front office people talk. But I get with players, their friends, they've hung out with these guys. They know their families. They might know their kids. It can be difficult. So I, I give them a little bit of a pass the first year or two when they're talking about players. I have a hard time, though, with us, the consumer who spends all this time watching these games and more specifically gambling on these games, 
Like I, I never have any hesitation. I try to give younger players somewhat of a pass. Like it's why I lean being critical on the coaches because it's like a lot of them, one probably shouldn't have their job. If you make it to the NFL, I got a ton of respect for you as a player. Just because you're coached in the NFL does not mean shit. <laughs> you know, and not everyone is some legit coach in the league. I promise you that. You could trim the fat in half and no one would notice. And insert guys from college or high school, it would not skip a beat. So I, I've never, okay, I, 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 listen, Matt Ryan, I think could have a point of difference or any new former player. And it's hard because usually you know a lot of these coaches, but like it's the number one thing we all can see when there's a dumb call, when guys aren't prepared. You know, I, I always lean, it's a coaching league first, less than the players. Like I blame Brock Purdy's injury on Kyle Shanahan. Terrible play call. You can't have your backup tight end blocking an all pro. Like, and then get mad when your quarterback gets his elbow ripped in half. It doesn't mean Kyle's a village idiot. It doesn't mean Kyle hasn't won six playoff games in the last four years. But that was an awful call. It's like Belichick makes bad calls, just like Andy has. But it's not even just about the head coaches, the position coaches. It's about the coordinators, because that's really the game. Now, some of these head coaches now, and a lot of them, especially in offense, are the play caller. But the defensive coordinators, that's how we all talk on the couch. It's why I think Troy Aikman, these last couple of years, once Tony Romo got that raise, kind of got back to his roots, like kind of lets it rip sometimes. And it's, it's kind of more, it's relatable again. And I, I hope Matt can just kind of let it rip because it's hard. Like you're just not going to be good if everything is, uh, you know, candy and rainbows and just oh, thumbs up. Good job. Keep it rolling. This, this coach has got a bright future when he's losing by 20 points and he was a seven point favorite. So you, you got to be willing. Listen, I'm not expecting every guy on television to just shit on everyone on the, when they're having bad moments. But if you can't be critical at all, you're just not going to be good on television. Not in 2023, where authenticity and just a reality, like we've all seen enough football now. We have access to a million games. Kind of know what it looks like. right? We've all watched the Chiefs and Alabama and Ohio State and you know all these guys play enough to know what good, what mediocre, and what bad looks like. You're not shocking anyone. <laughs> just because... You know, the dude runs a, you know, construction company. He's been watching football for 40 years. Knows what good and bad looks like. Might not know all the anchors, you know, the X's knows the, the specific details of every single play, but I know what a well-coached team looks like, right? If I'm just an average Joe and I've been watching football and I'm 45 years old and I'm a diehard football fan, it's pretty clear. I know what a well-coached offense or defense looks like. And I just, I always get nervous with these, especially these high profile. Drew Brees couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I knew that was coming because his corporate image. Matt Ryan has a little less like corporate national image, but he's pretty famous and he's definitely pretty rich. And I, I do, I am concerned that he's not going to just be able to let her rip. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, 
as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Okay, let's dive into a little thing we call a mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire into those direct messages and get your question answered here on the pod. My Instagram is just my name. Spell it out. At John Middlecoff. Two Fs. Eagles only gave me one when I first got in office, but, you know, it's a long time ago. It's not like I still remember. John, what up, man? Jimmy from Chicago. Chi-town, baby. Can we just keep it real and say who James Harden is? He's Kirk Cousins. Big numbers with nothing on the line and softer than Charmin when the lights get bright. Dude folds like a chair when the games matter. At his best, he's a number three on a team. At best. Here's the difference, I would say. James Harden won an MVP and just had seasons where in the regular season, I mean, he didn't he average over 30 points one year? Obviously, he dominated forever in Houston. His regular season, he was a better regular season player than Kirk Cousins has ever been a regular season player. His regular season can look... Now, it doesn't transfer, and you could argue the regular season in basketball does not parallel the playoffs. It's like a different sport. Where in football, it does parallel each other. Like if you're beating good teams throughout the regular season, you can beat good teams in the playoffs. But Kirk Cousins, the knock on him has just been bright lights. Not even in the playoffs. It's been primetime games in his career. Right? So I would say in a weird way, Harden is a better version of Cousins. But also in the NBA, and this goes for football too, Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott, when their careers are over, are going to be so filthy rich, it's stupid. I mean, we Cousins has made a ton of money, right? Franchise back-to-back years, $85 million first contract, $60 million extension. I'm no math major, but probably close over $200 million. I looked it up today. James Harden has made $300 million. So if he got a $100 million contract, which many expect him to get way more, he's going to end up making $425, $450 million playing basketball. And here's the thing. In the NFL, you know, if I pay Cousins and Dak a lot of money and I consistently win, especially Dak's a good example. If I'm going to the playoffs every year, there's a lot of value in that, especially as the Cowboys. But I'm never winning a Super Bowl. And I'm not trying to be a dick about it with Dak. Like I, I do like the guy. I have a lot of respect for every time I see him. I've never met the guy personally, but clearly high level guy has maximized all his talent, cares a lot. It's like everything you look for. I would rather have Dak Prescott than Kirk Cousins, even though we can argue their numbers. I'm taking Dak over Cousins. But I don't think either's beating the top guys in the playoffs. Now you could argue the NFC. Who knows? Maybe the Eagles screw up. You don't even have to play them and you end up getting Brock Purdy. I don't know. Like, the, obviously, the, the NFC in theory should open up a little bit more than the AFC. But there is value if you win in double-digit games and go in the playoffs every single year. In the NBA, like, I'm sorry. Unless you're getting me to the conference championship every year and giving me a chance to win a finals, I, you pay a guy that much money, it's a waste of cash. Now, props to Harden. He, he's going to be, you know, a half-billionaire 
and one of the worst playoff players we've ever seen in um, ever. I mean, it's, it's insane. It, it really is. It's pretty crazy. Not hate the Lakers, but I'll say this. LeBron James is an incredible playoff player. Anthony Davis. We can talk about he gets injured all the time. When that guy wants to play, holy shit. Nikola Jokic. You watched him the last two years? Last year, I think the Warriors beat him in five. He was incredible. Draymond Green gave him a hug after the uh, after they beat him beat him in five and was like, you're one of the best players we've ever played. You watch what that guy's doing right now? You know what's funny in the NBA, and Colin talks a lot about this, it's a hype machine sport. Like, it's hard. Like, there's no hype machine in football. It's got to keep, like, you got to produce. Like, you can give me a bunch of hype, bunch of hype, bunch of hype, and then it's like, oh, I watched two a play. You're wrong, right? Bunch of hype, bunch of hype, bunch of hype. Ah, this guy's actually not that good. In basketball, James Harden, Embiid, these guys get so much hype, just the hype, the hype, the shoes, John Morant, the shoes, the commercials, the highlights. It's like, yeah, there's like seven guys I'd want to go to war with. Like, I like Devin Booker a lot. Someone told me where my office is, his mom used to live in the facility. I guess he goes to the store right across the street from where I'm at all the time to shop. And I, I think he's excellent. If I ever ran into him at the store, I'd say, you know what? You remind me a lot of the Warriors guys, the way you conduct yourself, the way you play. Like, I, I think you're going to win big. Not that he'd need me to say that, but I, I truly believe that. But I've watched the last couple of years them kind of gutlessly tap out. And sometimes you don't have it, right? And the difference in football and baseball and basketball is like over the course of a series, you know, if your bad game comes an elimination game, you know, it doesn't look great, but... Like, in football, ultimately, Cousins just isn't good enough. Like, he has... He was a fourth-round pick. He has serious limitations, athletically. There's only so much he can do. And then he's kind of robotic, that he's not a natural kind of... You know, for example, Joe Burrow is, like, the best version of Tony Romo. He's like Tony Romo on steroids, way better. But there's, like, this instinctive, natural kind of flow to his game. It doesn't all feel... It was, I honestly think it was one of Peyton Manning's downfall why he didn't win four Super Bowls and he only won two. Now, he went to a couple more. But Peyton Manning is like the guy that, you know, Brady won seven, Manning won four. If I would have told you that eight years ago, you'd be like, oh, I could see it. But there was something to Manning where he just, in the playoffs, just a little... Sometimes, I think in sports... When you think too much, and you could argue this, it parallels any industry, but even if you're an overthinker as a sales guy, as an architect, whatever, you, you there, not everything has to happen immediately, right? At the snap of a finger. Like in football, the ball snapped. You're an overthinker. A split second could be a pick six, right? Uh, an overthinking a drive can ultimately cost you a game, a three and out. And I, I think Cousins has that element of Peyton where he just, he, he thinks too, sometimes too much. You watch Patrick Mahomes, he's just playing. You watch Steph Curry, he's just kind of playing. You know, I, I like my guys to, there be a, like Debo Samuel or George Kittle, there's just like an instinctive element to their game. Uh, Dak does have some of that, but Dak doesn't have a great arm. That's why he throws some picks, you know? Now you can throw picks if you have a hose, but far threw a lot of them. He also made a lot of enormous explosive plays. So I don't even know, forget the question now, I've been ranting and raving for a second. Back, I think Harden is a better version of Cousins, but I think they both, I'm in agreement, they fall under the same umbrella. Okay, let's go to Meg. Fiance's account, so it's not actually Meg. Two questions for you. First, how far do you think the Vikings can realistically get with Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins is a fascinating conversation. 
You know what's crazy is sometimes the most polarizing discussions. Like I, LeBron, I'm not a big LeBron guy, but I can't say like he's not good. Like yeah, he's one of the best athletes I've ever seen in any sport. Like hell, you might not like, you know, whoever Kevin Durant, but you have to acknowledge like he's pretty special, right? You might not love, you know, whoever uh, Patrick Mahomes. I don't know who that guy, Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, but y'all acknowledge it's like that second tier guy that you're just like, how good is this guy? That guy usually creates the most conversation. In basketball forever now, honestly, it's been James Harden. And now it's kind of like Joel Embiid, Russell Westbrook. In football, it's always Cousins, Dak, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyler Murray, right? Derek Carr. It's You're never going to meet anyone who's like, this Joe Burrow guy, don't fucking see it, <laughs> right? You know, Jalen Hurts, can't believe the Eagles. What were they thinking, right? It, Carson Wentz. It's the guy in that tier that's not at the top. You can even put Herbert there right now, but I, I he's a couple years away from like being in that true conversation. Jimmy's been in it forever. Derek Carr's been in it forever. G, uh, Derek, or excuse me, Dak, Cousins, those, those guys. Daniel Jones now is, is has entered the chat. <laughs> those are the guys. Because what do you say? Like, is Giannis guy, man, monster. <laughs> you know, hell, he lost in the first round. You're not going to meet a soul that's like, yeah, I wouldn't want Giannis. Loser, right? I mean, it's, it's like in baseball, it's a little bit. I'll say this about baseball: uh, seeing the Giants win three World Series in five years, baseball can be a little weird. You know, I mean, y- you need some luck, some specific like pitching situations go your way, a pitch hit, guy hits a home run. In football and basketball, like the top guys usually win. And the middle tier guys usually disappoint. I mean, that's that's kind of the formula, the history of the league. And then we end up talking, we, we rank the sweet guys and we argue over like, oh, this guy's two, this guy's one. And then we just scream, hoot and holler over the middle tier guys. You know, they're, I guess they're slightly above middle tier, like the above average guy who's actually good and who's not good. Like ultimately, Kirk Cousins is a really good NFL player. Now, relative to like Mahomes, Burrow, Josh Allen, Right. All, all the top older guys, Brady Rogers, he's not even in their universe, but relative to, you know, basically like 12 through 32. Yeah, he's really good. And remember, they're backup quarterbacks like he's he's a very good player. Matt Ryan was in that for a while. Uh, so long way away. Say so a lot of people are not going to pick them to make the playoffs. And I I didn't pick them last year. I might as well not pick them again. Have you or anyone worked with uh Anyone you worked with while scouting ever looked at a player from D3 or D2 that made it to the NFL? I played at D3 level and wondered if that happened. Thanks. Keep up the work. Well, I'm a West Coast guy, meaning like I scouted the West and you know I was at Fresno State, even at Cal Poly. We don't really have on the West Coast like you do in the South or maybe the Midwest, definitely the Northeast, some of those like D2 and D3 schools. Like if you're going to play college football out West – beside junior college, you're either going to play D1 AA, right? Like from Montana to UC Davis to Cal Poly, which produces NFL guys for sure, right? Trey Lance, Carson Wentz. I mean, a ton of position players. Not not like consistently, like every program's got multiple, but NFL guys every single year getting drafted D1 AA. Or non-Power 5, like you're playing in the Mountain West, where like I, we didn't have that many D2, D3 options over here. 
Now, I think around the country, if there is like, uh, if you were a scout, the only way that you would end up at like a D2 school is because there was like, a, you know, a dude transferred from Cincinnati or a guy left, you know, got kicked out of Georgia, kicked out of junior college and ended up there. Some situation like that. And more likely than not, that guy is going to go to D1 AA. Right, he's more likely to go to like McNeese State or Montana after getting kicked out of like, you know, I'm just picking schools here, Cincinnati or Wisconsin, and no other Power Five teams are going to mess with him than he is to go D2. Because those, you know, South Dakota State or whoever, you know, Sac State, who made a little run last year, uh, would come sniffing around. So, yeah, I mean, I, D2's players have definitely, you know, made it in the league, but it's, it's fewer and far between. I would say, you know, definitely one double A, all those programs. Like I, when I scouted, I went through them all. Uh, this year, the Patriots drafted the dude from Sac State in the third round. So now I think there's a pretty big gap. You, you know better than me. I mean, I've never watched D3 football. Honestly, I don't have much experience with D2. D1 double A football is not bad. Like the top 10 teams in D1 double A, I mean, we've seen it before. Appalachian State is now a Power Five, or you know, a Division One program. But you know, South Dakota State, North Dakota State, Montana, Montana State, Sac State's good, uh, or they were. They lost their coach, got the job at Stanford. But like, you know, Cal Poly. When I was, I think this is when I went to Fresno State. They almost beat with Wisconsin. They had a really good team. So you, you know, you can have. I think their field goal kicker missed like four extra points or something. It was a. It was a rough day, but should have beat Wisconsin. From David, what's your best advice for making a living as a podcaster? What are three to five things that need to fall into place to make it work? Uh, you know, I one, people have to be able to find it. So you need a distribution platform besides just loading it on Apple or, you know, YouTube. Now, so many people have podcasts, a lot get lost in the shuffle. So having a distribution platform. Right, I mean that's pretty big. When you look at the top top podcasts, whether it's Pardon My Take or Rosillo or whoever Colin, you name it, they either are massive brands individually. Like Colin Coward has a he's had a radio show for decades. <laughs> so even before he ever started streaming his show and created a podcast network, like you think Colin Coward, you think talking, right? Barstool. They have a large network. Rosillo, longtime talk show host, links up with Bill Simmons. So I think it's very, very difficult to do it by yourself. Uh, if you're going to be like an independent small guy and have success, you know, when I first started podcasting and I have another podcast, it's basically a 49er podcast, we had a built-in audience. So like you have to have people that are already listening to you because we had a radio show. I don't know... I don't know if I'm sitting here if I just left the NFL and got a podcast. No way. my I, It would not be the same situation. So before I ever started podcasting, I, I was in radio for three and a half years. Then if you can somehow figure that element out, which is obviously very difficult, you know, you got to link up with someone. Uh, I think, you know, sound quality is big. Consistency is big. Finding what you're... I, I'm a big believer in... And you, if you listen to this show, like I, I'm not just going to talk about the Cowboys, talk about the Cowboys, right? I just talk about what interests me. And maybe that's a slower build to where the podcast ends up one day. 
And maybe if I did more, I don't even want to say shock jock, but just kind of played it like that you would have to for a radio show. You know, I'd get more viral clips or whatever, but I, I truly don't care. Like, I don't have a take on the Cowboys today. Like, I got nothing to say on the Packers, right? I, I mean, I don't. I just don't. Now, once the season starts, I you, you gravitate toward the good teams and the big stories. But, like, I just try to talk about what I'm excited about. And then I hopefully, and I think, you know, the amount of people listening to the show and success we've had, people like it. So I would say, find what you like talking about, what you're good at talking about, so you got to have some knowledge. It's easy for me to talk about football. I've been watching football my whole life. I've worked in football. I read a lot about football. I talk to people about football. That's why I like talking about golf. I play golf. I watch the PGA Tour. Gamble on golf. I mean, I just talk about what I like. You know, it'd be hard for me to do like a baseball show. Not that, you know, baseball podcasts are even that successful, but I, I, I don't know that much about baseball anymore. I don't watch that much. I mean, I keep tabs. I see my guy, Bruce Bochy. I don't know, just second best record in baseball. No big deal. Texas Rangers. I'm rooting for the big fella. Uh, but other than that, like you, you got to talk about what you know. And that doesn't, whether it's sports, whether it's real estate, you know, whether it's whatever. My girlfriend went to this conference with her mom last week. It was like a, I don't know if it was a networking conference, but it was like a conference for real estate and started talking to a guy who was a big real estate agent just started a podcast and he transitioned like doesn't even open doors anymore. His podcast makes him more money than he ever made as a real estate agent. And the guy was very successful. And it was one of those things that just gradually took off. And, you know, there are still niches that are probably um, undervalued. Like the football podcast, I'm not saying it because I have one, but there are a million. So it would be very hard if you don't have a distribution platform to just start a football or basketball podcast. It really would. But let's say you were a, uh, you worked, you're a big sports fan, but you work in construction or you're a real estate guy or you're a finance guy. And maybe I'm talking out of turn, but maybe there's more of an avenue for some of that. And you can talk sports as well. Because most people I know, like my friends work in normal jobs. We talk sports a lot. You know, you can kind of intertwine the two of them. That's like, it's like Middlecoff, why are you always talking money and numbers? That's what interests me. I like business. Like I deal, I, I subscribe uh, the athletic. I still have a free one from a long time ago. The only newspaper I subscribe to is the wall street journal. Now I'm not claiming to read the thing every day, but I'm more likely. I'm not more likely. I definitely, I read articles occasionally from the wall street journal. I read no other articles from any other newspapers, partly because whenever I'm on Twitter and someone in the NFL, I follow like post an article for a newspaper. They write and I click on it. I can never read it. It's like, I'm not paying for this shit. I was always curious about your playing career. Google didn't have anything. I assumed with your front office work, you played DB in college. Did you know you wanted to work in the NFL while in college or just loved football? Uh, Definitely not a DB level athlete, I'll tell you that, man. Do you know how good, honestly, even to play DB in college, like when I was at Fresno State, hell, when I was at Cal Poly, uh, uh, Asa Jackson, who ended up getting drafted by the Ravens, to be an a DB level athlete, like relative to America, you are such a high end athlete. <laughs> I mean, it's you might not be like NBA level, but you're a top two or three percent guy. So no, I had my I love football. I, I was a sports junkie. I mean, I I I like sports. The whatever ten out of ten is from like you know seven eight years old till through college. At like a 14. 
I mean, it, it could, I couldn't have liked it anymore. Now, when I got to the NFL, I worked with multiple people that, you know, Howie Roseman wanted to be a GM when he was like five. I worked with scouts that some guys played like lower level football or didn't even play that just loved the scouting. I, I wasn't like that. It kind of organically happened. I just wanted to work in sports. Um, and it just, it was, I, I got kind of lucky and things just broke my way. Now, I like football more than the other sports, but I really like basketball for a large percentage of my life. Uh, you know, I, I, I love golf. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just a sports guy. I mean, I just enjoy watching games. I, I mean, I still do. Hey, John, I'm a big fan of the pod. What are some of your personal and professional goals in the next five years? Uh, you know, I... I'll just say this. I'm not going to be cheesy about this, but I really struggle in the day and age we live in. It's very hard to see the future for a lot of things, right? Things change so quickly. Um, I, I, you know, it was always in the 80s or the 90s or the 50s. It was pretty easy. Like, I want to do this. And for the most part, those jobs weren't really changing. Like in this profession, like I want to host a radio show in a top five market. I want to be on TV in a major network. Like, I think those days are kind of dead. Like, obviously, those aren't my dreams or aspirations. Uh, I would say one thing non-podcast wise, because I'm pretty confident we just keep swinging our pick here. This We're headed in the right place. There are business elements of my life uh, that I would like to own a business. And I have a couple ideas, uh, but that's something in the next five years. Even if it's just kind of a smaller operation, I, I got a couple LLC ideas that uh, that are always in the back of my mind, but I, I, I still I'm still working them out. But I would say for the foreseeable future, just really, really keep pounding the pavement on this. And this has been good. Business is booming. Life's going well. Uh, but it, it, to me, it's hard. Like five years. If you would have told me five years ago, what was it? 2023. So that would have been 2018. That I would be doing, I'd be sitting here doing this podcast, having the success it's having. Like, I, I wouldn't have believed you. And I never was, like, I, I write short term goals and things, but I, I do think, depending on now, every profession is different. But I think in the business I'm in, in, in terms of this, it's kind of hard. There are definitely golf elements to the golf media business that, you know, I, I definitely want to take uh, big strides in. Uh, but we got a ways to go. We just started the thing last year. Uh, we got some, you know, some stuff in fluid fluidity do, deals in the works. So we'll see what happens. But I would just some people are different, and I know you know you listen to the certain gurus about writing down goals. I'm not against that. Some people write down their thoughts, and I've done that before, and it's worked. And I've not done it before, and it's worked. Right? I just think you gotta. Sometimes it's cheesy, but coaches say this a lot of like, be where your feet are. I, I do think there's a lot of truth in that. Now, I always try to be, and I think most successful people try to be, and I try to be because they are, you know, big picture thinking, but there's a balance to it. Sometimes, you know, you can't just start in a full sprint. Sometimes you got to walk through a jog and then pick up the pace. Things gradually take some time. It's weird. Like, I'm not a very patient person, but I think there's like, to be good at anything, there has to be like an aggressive patience. Because you, you got to be, you know, pedal to the metal and moving forward. But you got to realize like some things, everyone's, you know, the way their 
things break for them works at different paces. So you can't always get frustrated when things aren't working or something doesn't go your way. Now, sometimes you can't be naive about it. Like it might not work and you got to pivot. But like once you start seeing some signs of of progress slash success of financial, you know, improvements, you know, revenue gains, whatever it may be and whatever you do, um, you know, I, I think you got to be willing to take it slow is probably the wrong way to put it, but understand that, you know, this might not happen in six months, but in two years and two and a half years and four years, this fucking thing could be big. I'm watching the NHL and NBA playoffs. There are women doing color commentary in the booth, and it's nice to hear. Are there any women in the NFL media space that you would like to hear in the booth? When I used to have a radio show in the Bay, Doris Burke used to come on. I, I used to bullshit with her. You know, I used to, it was really cool, actually, go to these NBA games and, you know, you get there like three hours early. You can bullshit with people on the sideline. or talking to players. It was coaches. It was sweet. Uh, and I, you could definitely always talk to the broadcasters. I always thought she was really good. And I think most NBA analysts are pretty terrible. I don't watch, I haven't watched much of the NHL playoffs, to be honest with you, to know what you're talking about there, but I believe you. Uh, the NFL, no. I mean, I, I think the NFL most, you know, let's face it, a lot of analysts are pretty terrible. Men, women, indifferent. I mean, it's, now it's, it's hard to call a game. It's not, that's definitely something I have no aspiration to do. Doesn't interest me in the slightest because I respect the profession and I know how hard it is. I'm more of a reactor or talk about the games coming up. That's what I'm really good at. I've, I would want no part of it. So I, when I talk shit about it, it's not because I don't think it's hard. It, it is. But it's pretty clear the guys that are good and guys that aren't good at it. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head any uh, women that I'd want to hear call a game. No. But I, I'm sure they could be better than some of the guys we're rolling out there. Because <laughs> holy moly, there were some bad ones. What would keep the NFL from adding a second bye week? Extending the season seems like it would be good for business. One of the buys could be earmarked for before teams play their Thursday night game. Both teams competing off a bye and would make the games better. Longer to prepare and to make sure stars are healthy to play in the NFL could claim player safety. Lastly, this could take the Super Bowl to President's Day weekend, giving uh, people the day off after the game. Doesn't seem, doesn't longer season equal more money? Not necessarily. Because they already got an 18-week schedule, which is eventually going to 20. I think once they go to 20 games, you know, and the preseason games are scrapped, or maybe we eventually go to 18 games, we'll get the double buys. I think they like the the length of the offseason, right? They've already pushed the combine back a little bit. I guess you could push free agency back a little bit, the draft where it's at. Yeah, I mean, I... Would it shock me if when they add the 18th game, which feels I mean, could happen in the next couple of years, that they add some sort of buy, like you said? The hard part is, you know, the thurs- the teams that are playing on Thursday night, you'd have to coordinate their buys. I, th- I think it would be pretty difficult. Anyone who's read some articles, it always comes out right around this time when the schedule comes out. It's a pretty complex formula. It's not very easy to do. Um yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm the wrong guy to ask on that. I've been listening to RJ Bell for a while, uh, who used to have a show on Fox Sports Radio. He mentions yourself on his podcast fairly regularly as someone who listens to you. I like. Uh, I've known RJ for a long time. Have you ever thought while in the off season or near the start of the year to have him on the podcast to bring a pro gambling to get his perspective? 
And have you had any conversations with him? If not, I really do recommend having him on. Yeah, I got to reach out to him. Good idea. Okay, last question. Hey, John, just listened to Sunday Mailbag. Thought I'd ask for an opinion. Before working a graduate job at a large finance tech firm in London for a few months after studying in the UK and a semester at UC Berkeley, the money's not bad, but you guys are getting paid double, maybe even triple what we are in those roles. I think he means in the States. It's made me want to move to the States ASAP. I thought I'd ask for cities you'd recommend for someone looking to move to the States and never come back. As a Bills fan, I've loved Buffalo every time I've been, but, you know, not much going on there economically. One stipulation is that there must be good golf courses nearby. We'll be interested to hear your thoughts. Well, I'm a West Coast guy, so I lean, you know, I would lean Vegas or Scottsdale. Uh, you know, you could probably make more money in one of the California if what you do in LA or San Francisco, but the price to live there is astronomical. So the prices in Vegas or Scottsdale, a lot of golf as well. Pretty hot. You know, if you wanted to stay on the eastern seaboard, which is probably your move, I would sniff around Florida. I think you could go Jacksonville, Florida. I think you could go uh, Carolina, the Charlotte area. I think it's a booming area. A lot of golf over there. So you could go southern. You know, Miami's really expensive. Fort Lauderdale, Jupiter, you know, Orlando. You know, place, I think, relatively inexpensive. Could be wrong. Never been. Read a lot about it. No, there's a lot of golf there. So you could you could kind of piggyback Florida. I think Charlotte would definitely be on my radar. Uh, any other places in the south? I mean, Nashville is now pretty expensive. You know, decent amount of golf, in my experience. Maybe there's more than I realize. But I, but I think if you're headed west, I'd go AZ or Vegas. If you're going to stay east... You know, I think Jacksonville, Orlando, Charlotte, I, I think those areas are kind of growing. If you got a little coin, you wanted to, you know, mix it up. Nashville, not a bad place, but Nashville's not for everybody. Uh, Northeast, too cold for me. And like you said, you know, golf weather. Philly's got pretty good golf. Philly's, I enjoyed my time in Philly. I, I really did. Would I, would I move there again? Probably not. But I, I did understand when I was there, like, I get it. And I went out a lot. I had a buddies, you know, we had a younger staff, so we were hanging out a lot, had a good time. I mean, I, th- I think Philly is probably one of the more underrated cities in America, you know, because everyone in the Northeast is always blowing. Obviously, New York, you know, even Boston, D.C. D.C. is cool. I mean, D.C., it was cooler probably. I remember going around like 10 years ago. Now, I, I don't think I could play, take the place seriously, just in general. I was thinking this the other day, like Georgia declined to go to the White House. When I was a kid and for a long period of time, like the White House visit really meant a lot. Does anyone care anymore? Like shouldn't, I was thinking about this. Shouldn't a team that wins go meet like the CEO of one of the top companies? Wouldn't you get more out of that? Like as a player, most of these guys are going to go into like normal jobs. Wouldn't that be cooler than like going to the White House? Because it's just so polarizing now. It's just, they're either going to call you a hater or it's like, wouldn't you be better off, I don't know, going to Apple's campus, <laughs> you know, meeting Elon at Tesla, <laughs> doing something like that? Wouldn't you get more out of that than you do the White House visit that no one really wants any part of anymore? And it's not even just, you know, these last couple of years have been for whatever, the last six, seven years. Kind of feels like the whole thing's just kind of become toxic and, 
Why, why don't we mix it up? Why don't we throw a curveball? It's like, where are we taking uh, the Ohio State football team? Oh, we're going to take them. Uh, we're, Tim Cook's going to take us around. We're going to see Apple's campus. You know, <laughs> Elon's going to show us SpaceX. That's what I'd want to do. But hell, maybe I'm crazy. Appreciate James on the video. My guy Hulse on the audio. And uh, let's have a week, people. I got I got some pretty sweet golf bets coming up. So listen to the Go Low podcast. I can, one, one quick thing, actually. Someone asked me, I, I don't think I saw the DM, but I saw it within the last couple of weeks, about how teams or how scouts, when they go to a program, like if if the if the college teams knows you're coming, there's a pro liaison at every school. So as a scout, usually, you know, it changes school to school. Some teams you can just show up, but a lot of schools you let them know you're going to be in the office, right? So you can set up a time to talk to people. So you have to, you know, it's like any job, do some, shoot a couple emails. You know, once you've done it for a year or two, you know all the people and let them know you're coming by. And, you know, there's usually a pro liaison. He's like, a lot of times he's the GM or the pro personnel guy on the college staff. Sometimes it's a coach, but not as much anymore. Now, if you want to talk to the coordinators, if you want to talk to the position coaches, you usually have to reach out to them individually. Uh, and same with the academic people, the training people. And you just kind of set it up on your own. And then you kind of typically kind of, for a lot of the big stuff, go around as a group. And then individually, you kind of break off and talk to people, you know, in a one-on-one setting. So it's like... It's probably like a lot of jobs, right? If you're going, if you're a medical sales guy, I'm sure you reach out to some of the doctors or whoever so they know you're coming so you can get a meeting. Kind of the same concept. Adios. volume does money stress you out let facet flip your financial chaos into clarity finding facet immediately put us at ease facet's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order that makes us facet for life now i guess (laughs) visit facet.com f-a-c-e-t.com to learn more this ad is sponsored by facet facet wealth is an sec registered investment advisor this is not an offer to buy or sell securities nor is an investment legal or tax advice these testimonials are from current facet members who are not compensated all opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 live march 20th from the edge at hudson yards in new york city Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.